This is Bigger Than the Game with Dermy Dove and Jose Ruiz. Welcome to Bigger Than the Game with Dermy and Jose. I'm Dermy Dove. I'm joined by the hardest working man in show business, also vice president of the Help Thurman Thomas Find His Helmet Club, Mr. Jose Ruiz. <laughs> What's going on, man? What's going on, Dermy? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You know, you always got to slide that Thurman Thomas thing in there. I right? do, like, I do. In a way, he's connected a little bit to this episode. He is like, a little know, bit, yeah. In, in a way, but I, I have to. You know, you, you're a big Buffalo Bills fan, so I gotta, I gotta put that out there for you. Sometimes that you know, either Thurman Thomas or Steve Avery, or you know, one of the two Steve of them. Avery. <laughs> but. Yeah, you know, Steve Avery. That's there's a lot of things, a lot of things going on. You know, where next week, we're yeah, football, man. football starting. You know, next Thursday night, the the 2022 season gets underway. You um, excited? You excited for that? I am. I am. Um, I, it used to be. I think because now we're you know the older you get, the busier and more spot. Like where the summer and training camp, it'd be like let's just hurry it up. It yeah. feels like training camp and preseason flew by. Yeah, like it was like, well, the star train players are reporting, and now it's like, you yeah, know. The three preseason games helps that a lot. Yeah, you know, like yeah, like it's just let's just get through it and and hurry up. Let's let's get to the season. So I'm excited. I I, I am, you know, another thing that happened this week was a uh, past guest Bob Glauber. Yeah, he announced his retirement, and he's a you know legendary sports writer. So we give props to him on his retirement, but he was a past guest on the show and he wrote a book, you know, guts and genius. And, you know, it was about, you know, three coaches in the eighties who helped change football. And it was Bill Parcells, Bill Walsh, and Joe Gibbs. And you, know, you check our archives, check them. He came on back, you know, summer of 2020 as a yeah. guest. And we, you know, we appreciate he was an awesome guest and it was an amazing book. But Jose, from then on, even in our conversation, we were both kind of like looking at like of those three coaches, Joe Gibbs really had us intrigued. And so you can honestly say this episode is two years in the making yeah. to talk about the great Joe Gibbs. Yeah, this was definitely marinating for a little while. And yeah, we we both, even when we were doing that show, um, you know, we're talking and, and it's just like, you know, you, you mentioned the other two coaches, but it's the one coach in Joe Gibbs that, you know, we were thinking, like, is he that underrated that, you know, these, you know, Parcells, you know, all these other coaches, even in the NFC East, not even like Bill Walsh. I'm not even going to go with Bill Walsh, but even those coaches in the NFC East at that time, you know, you're looking at Buddy Ryan and then Jimmy Johnson later on. And, you know, these other coaches were – glorified right and rightfully so like these these guys did a lot of had a lot of success especially Jimmy Johnson obviously but you know we can argue that none of them had more success than than Joe Gibbs right and you know just and we'll definitely get into this throughout the show it's the different ways you know he had the success and the different type of teams and stuff like that so you know looking back at his career it's an amazing amazing career um, I'm, I'm excited to, to, you know, dive into this a little bit today. Well, you know, what's fascinating to me is in our society, in our culture, 
we're always looking at great leaders. Who are these great leaders? And some, you know, you look at a Bill Parcells. We can keep it just to like even football. We can look at a Bill Parcells, a Walsh, you know, Jimmy Johnson later on, Tom Landry in the NFC East before. You know, they had, but they there was a charisma about them, um, or with Landry, a mystique, or they just had that look of a leader. I'm thinking in the 80s, even you look at like, you know, Don Shula was still coaching and coaching some yeah. Super Bowls, you know, lost the, you know, Joe Gibbs beat Don Shula to win his first one. Don Shula had that look of a leader. So we are focused on leaders, but to me, it's baffling that someone with such success, such diverse success like Joe Gibbs, is spoken of in a way, and it kind of reminds me, we did an episode on Frank Thomas where it's just like, you know, people, I never heard someone say Frank Thomas, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. But anyway, next, and it's like, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you just move on. Joe Gibbs is in that same regard where, you know, even, I was even looking back on it, for the NFL All 100 team, when they had their top 10 coaches, and Bill Belichick, who was one of the ten, he's on that panel with Rich Eisen and Chris Collinsworth. Who did? And he did a great job. He Bill Belichick was great. My only yeah. beef, I would say, was this: for yep. the other coaches, he could explain more. With Joe Gibbs, he's just like you know, just a really great coach. Uh, he was Fitz when you know I was with the Giants, and he was in Washington, and just and he kind of just moved on. And I'm like, yeah. that's a shame because you should talk even higher because you did have to play chess with him for all those years when you were the coordinator with the Giants. And you kind of just like, it was a real quick like segment, but everybody else, it was really thorough. And I'm like, that's just crazy when, yeah, he's one of the great coaches of all time. He's a top 10 coach or top whatever coach. And no one says anything else. It's just move on after that. And I feel like that's where I'm excited to, I know you are too, is because there's just so much that I don't think people sit there and realize, you know, then in the moment and now, how game-changing and impactful what he was doing in the NFL really was. Yeah, and you mentioned diverse, right? And there, there was a quote, when NFL Films did a show on him like years and years ago, and it was a quote that said he, he became the leader of the most diverse dynasty in NFL history, right? And I, I felt like like I, I had to write it down, right? Because I, I wanted to make sure I, I hit that like verbatim because that was like spot on. As NFL films like often does, it, it just hit it hit it right on the head, and, and that's exactly exactly how, you know, I would look at Joe Gibbs, right? To me, to speak to your point, right? We look at these other great coaches, and and again, I'm not. This is not a knock from my point of view. I think it, it should elevate him even more. But we look at these great coaches, and they have like the consistency at like quarterback, right? So you can you can. You can attach Don Shula with, you know, later on Dan Marino, but, you know, Greasy, like he has these quarterbacks, right? We talked about Parcells. He had Phil Sims. Everybody knew who Phil Sims was. Everybody knew that Giants defense and LT and Carl Banks and all these names on that defense. You know, um, Steve, I mean, Bill Walsh, obviously we know what Bill Walsh brought to the table, right? With Montana Rice, you know, all those guys, right? You know, we can keep going. Jimmy Johnson with the triplets and all that. It's like, who do you attach Joe Gibbs to? Like, you know what I mean? Like, no. I mean, we can we can add some players to it very easily, but it's really I'm, uh, it's the I'm Hawks. thinking like the co- the common fan, right? Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know who they can attach to. Now, I'm going to attach the Hawks to them immediately 
I know you will too. I'm sure most of our listeners will. I just think he doesn't have that like sexy, like trophy player that he could they can show off and stuff. And I'm not again, I'm not knocking him. To me, that even elevates him over some of these guys. That's my only thought with the stuff you were just mentioning there. Right. And I get and we'll get to like just what could be the reasons. And that's something I have wrote down. Is it that whether at quarterback or one of those splash positions, he did not have the I mean, he did have the Hall of Fame running back for the start of his time in John Riggins. Yeah. But in those and he did have a Hall of Fame receiver in Art Monk. And Riggins was a personality. Art Monk was very understated. But yeah. you know, is that what it is? He doesn't have that memorable splash, like those splash positions that we look at. You know, uh, I hate to say skill positions because offensive line, you got to be skilled to play your line. You got to yeah. be skilled to play any position in the NFL, honestly. So I hate just saying that, but I'd call that splash when a quarterback, running back, receiver that like everyone remembers – um, is, is that what part of the – would that have changed his legacy a little bit? Would people still be talking about him more now if he had that? It's interesting. Yeah, uh, and I, I think so, you know. And there's other – like I like another theory – not theory, but another reason I think I may have – well, I'm sure a lot of people have, um, you know, early on in his career, like, you know, winning a Super Bowl here at like 83, what would have that have done, right, for his legacy and, and – and a couple other legacies, but yeah, I just think, cause again, when I think of Joe, cause I was trying to think of this earlier. Right. And it's like, you know, what do I, like, what do I team up with Joe Gibbs? Right. Like you have the hogs, even defensively, like Gal green, like, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just hard. It, it's easy to forget Joe Gibbs is what I'm trying to say. Um, it, which is not, which is not fair for sure. Which is why I love to talk about it. I think that's where when I, I think of there's some – I think every episode, every topic we do is like, man, it's great. And in the realm of sports, I feel – I know you do too probably. It's important. But there's some that stick out even more of like this is why a podcast like this or whether you're doing, you know, 30 for 30 is important is because you don't have to be a self-promoter. I don't feel like – that you should be forgotten. And if you care about this sport or you're a fan of it or you're a fan of the history or you want to learn, because Joe Joe Gibbs is a Hall of Famer in two sports. Yeah. You know, Hall of Fame coach, you could argue what he did, and we're going to talk about what he did in football, but, you know, a Hall of Famer in NASCAR leaves and then goes and builds this success. And in the same light as football, where it's not just like one driver who's dominating – it's a diverse group of drivers who he keeps having success and keeps developing talent with. And it's like, we look at, you know, great leaders, great with business or politics or entertainment. We, you know, and even in sports, you know, how much Pat Riley gets praised for it. Bill Walsh, when he was alive, got praised. Jimmy Johnson, people still listen to him. It's like, do we do that for Joe Gibbs? Joe Gibbs needs to be, I would sit at the, the at any kind of class or yeah. lesson to hear Joe Gibbs talk about leadership. And like, he's a guy, there should be books on books, tapes on tapes about, Hey, what makes a great leader? How do you build a great team? How do you look at your team? Or if, you know, at work, look at the people under you and say, you know what? Yeah. Maybe this isn't the group I want it, but I'm going to take their strengths and make it work. Like, and that's what Joe Gibbs did better than 
you could say anybody. Right. I, I, I even Bill Walsh, I, I saw a quote or I even saw Bill Walsh talking about Joe Gibbs and, and, you know, he was saying like he can utilize his personnel better than any coach in NFL history. And if you really think about it, think about those teams, even if you just look at those three Super Bowl championship teams, it's like, especially like offensively, like there is just different players, right? And different, not only different players, but like in important roles, there's a lot of different players. And it's easy to look at the quarterback position. Everybody's going to look at that position. But, you know, that just to me speaks to one, what type of coach he is. Two, like what he can get out of his personnel. And then three, what I really liked and enjoyed about Joe Gibbs' teams is like you can tell like he let his players just be themselves, right? Like you hear stories on like other guys, they go to this team and, you know, and, and Parcells is going to like, you know, get them in line, right? You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. You know, you hear, when I think of like the Redskins, I, you talked about, you talked about John Riggins and that personality was a huge personality, especially even before going to Washington. But, you know, you think about the Smurfs, right? And you think about the fun bunch and you think about the hogs, like, all these guys were allowed to be themselves, right? Dexter Manley on the defensive mm-hmm. side, you know, Charles Mann is another one, big time trash talker. Like, you know, he was allowed to be himself. And it, it's just really cool because you, if you look at Joe Gibbs, you look at him and you go, oh, he's like a, looks like a substitute teacher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he just looks like a genius scientist. Like, but his teams were always like really loose looking. And it, it was just as a fan. Even as a rival fan, it was just cool to to see that. Yeah, they it was a balance of they were personality, but within a team. Like, and you right. didn't really see. I guess the most you could say was even with Dexter Manley, he yeah he he didn't let him get too crazy as far as the player. But they were personalities. But you never were like, oh, are they getting too far gone from this team? Or they get they were within the. The, the the group and within the team. And to me, the big reason is none of those men wanted to let Joe Gibbs down right. at all, but you look at it. So like you said, three Super Bowls, three different quarterbacks. That's probably the thing that Joe Gibbs, you say Joe Gibbs in football, you True. say that's that line, but people say it so quickly now. And even those who give it props, it's like, they're not really letting that marinate and sit. I feel it's just three Super Bowls, three different QBs. That's great. It, you know, anyway, and it's like, that's yeah. huge that no one else in the Super Bowl era, you can say really has that kind of success with just these, you know, different QBs and none of them are going to sniff the hall of fame as, as quarterback. Let's be real. None of them are like, yeah, this guy should be in the hall of fame. Why isn't he in there? Like, so that's to me what's impressive. Number one, as you think of number two, you look at the era he did it in and that book that Bob Glauber wrote. And we know, but the era of the NFC, we look at there's the obvious ones of Walsh Niners, Parcells Giants. You have the Bears with Dicka at that time, you know, Buddy and the Eagles, Landry Cowboys. And then, you know, that gets transferred into what Jimmy did with the Cowboys. But there's a lot of, you know, units out there that were really rising and popular in this time in that one conference. And we've did it, you know, when John Madden passed away, you know, him and Summerall had with CBS those NFC games and they were featured. And if you, you know, we watched them. You know them. I know them. You look back on YouTube, those classic CBS games, a lot of times Madden, Summerall, the Washington is there. 
Yep. So to me, like that's another thing that I think should not be held against him that he coached in that era of great and colorful coaches. It should stick out that I, I look at, you know, maybe Jose, I don't know how you feel, but especially those two Super Bowl wins. If I compare it to the other teams that won in, in the NFC alone in that era, I think it's the least talented on paper, the least like I look at the Bears, the Giants, the Niners. I'm putting Washington last of those teams in the NFC that won in the 80s. As right. Far as talent. And then, right. No, I hear you. And then if you think about it, to even add to that there, I mean, you talked about the era, right? It's not like it's a free agency era. Right. It's not like if you win a couple Super Bowls today and you have a couple different quarterbacks, it's understandable. Like, you know, teams change a lot, even though the quarterback position doesn't as much. But you're talking about a time where guys didn't really leave the team too often. You know what I'm saying? Like they stayed there and retired there and or, you know, in Theismann's case, like was injured and couldn't play anymore. You know, so that for me, it makes it even more like remarkable that he was able to do that on different spans. It's not like it was like two years later, boom, two years later. It was just like, you know, 82, boom, 87, boom, 91. It's just, it's so, it's such a remarkable thing, man. Like, and he should be remembered for that. Like you said there, I mean, because again, it's, it's very difficult to do. And it was extremely difficult to do at, at that time, you know, but you, and then you were mentioning your other point there. I mean, like the, the, that conference, in this era was stacked. Right. And if you look back, like all the Super Bowls, where they're coming from the NFC. Right. And in, in that little run there, late eighties, early nineties, they were coming out of the same division in the NFC East. And he was a huge part in one building the NFC East. If, if we're going to be very honest with you, because what was the NS, NFC East in particular known for, right? Like big guys, defense, like running the football. This started with Joe Gibbs. You know what I mean? Like him incorporating like those, you talked about the hogs and those big 300 guy, pound guys. Nobody was doing that mm. in the NFL before Joe Gibbs started to do that. And then they see that success and they're like, wait a minute, like I got to get bigger on the defensive side. And now I'm trying to do the same thing. I, I, I saw something on Parcells where he was talking about, I saw what Joe Gibbs was doing with the yeah. hogs and understood like my team had to be a bigger, bit more physical team just to compete with him. And then what happens years later, Jimmy Johnson, same idea. Um, Jimmy Johnson built that Cowboys team on speed as well, but that was more defensively. Offensively, it was the wall, right? Like, and it was just like those big monsters up front. And you, we all know how much success that Cowboys era had with that kind of like thought process and theory on how to build a team. So Gibbs deserves a ton of credit that he does not get at all. And you're right. And you look at uh, just real quick to piggyback on what you said. Parcells, you know, comes in his first year is 83. Who are the defending champs? Washington. So that's where he had to. And what is the game that broke them through? And, you know, a few years later, 86, they had to beat Washington in that championship game to get there. A lot of people say, then you fast forward years later, 91, the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson's team, stopped that undefeated streak. A lot of people say the dynasty kind of sprung right there. That win yep. kind of helped that Cowboy dynasty really emerge when they went into RFK and beat Washington. So these two great coaches, these great teams that we all still talk about, we still hear plenty on the eight deal you know, Parcells Giants, plenty on the 90s Cowboys. The stepping stone for them was to beat Joe Gibbs. That says something to you. Um, 
a big thing I'll go to is when we look at another thing that maybe we don't really talk about enough with him. And especially in today where, you know, Jason Reed has the book about, you know, the state of like the history of black quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And that's a conversation that we've, it's controversial. We've, you know, people have all the time and that stereotype, the prejudice, you know, with black quarterbacks that have happened since, you know, the game's really been going on and still happening to this day. Um, Doug Williams, because the big no matter where it started, there was black quarterbacks before Doug Williams, black quarterbacks after. But we look at the history of the black quarterback, the meat of it, the big moment is what Doug Williams does in Super Bowl twenty two and leading the you know the eighty seven Redskins to the championship. But what's huge about that is that connection that Joe Gibbs had with Doug Williams from being his OC when Doug got drafted back in the late seventies with Tampa Bay and turning that franchise around that went Owen 26 yep. to then getting them one game away from the Super Bowl, Joe Gibbs helped groom and really teach Doug Williams, you know, quarterback position and how close they were. But then people leave out not only that Joe Gibbs, then, you know, Doug Williams had left the game was in the USFL and Joe Gibbs, one when Joe Theismann gets hurt, all right, Jay Schrader gets elevated. I need a good backup. He could have gone other places. He called yep. Doug Williams and said, I'm going to bring you in here. And how huge that is, you know, that he didn't let that stuff get in the way. And he also knew, I feel, that he, under my organization, we're not going to let that outside noise distract it, and guys are going to fall in line. But the, the kicker to it is – Jay Schrader, the year before in 86, threw over 4,000 yards, yeah. which, you know, now it's like 4,000 yards. In the 90s, it was like, that's kind of big. In the 80s, you didn't hear that. No, that was a huge season, huge. you know. And they're one game out of the Super Bowl in 86. So then in 87, a lot of times you could say, all right, well, Jay Schrader, you know, it's a strike season, but Jay Schrader was kind of playing a little bit poor. Hey, don't make a QB controversy. Don't put Doug Williams in. Jay Schrader, let him throw the ball around. He'll get there. Stick with him. The gutsiness it took of Joe Gibbs to kind of create a controversy, but then late in the year say, you know what? I'm going to go with Doug from your Pro Bowl quarterback who got you one game from the Super Bowl the year, not three years before, one year before, and yeah. say, I'm going to ride him. The guts that it takes, We and Doug Williams deserves the credit, but Joe Gibbs deserves a lot of credit for the guts because what happens if that falters? And we know with the racism and the stereotypes, but then people will – that would get brought up more. We don't hear that now about Jay Schrader, but if Doug Williams falters, it's, what, what he threw 4,000 yards. Why didn't you – why did you do this? So that took so much guts by Joe Gibbs to make that move and how important he is with Doug Williams' story. Absolutely, 100%. I, I can't agree with that anymore, Jeremy. Um because most coaches don't make that move based on the fact and, and race out of it, right? Based off the fact what you just talked about, you had a pro bowl quarterback who had a tremendous season. And you, we just talked about that 4,000 yards back then in the eighties, crazy season that you're, you're, that's a great season. You're looking at Dan Fouts, Marino type shit, right? But to bench that guy and bring in someone who again was out of football for a little bit, 
that's a huge, huge, huge risk. You know, that's a, like a career. And I don't say if they didn't work out, they're firing Joe Gibbs. That's not happening. But that's a big mark right there. And again, like if I'm an owner of a team, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what is this dude? Like, what is he doing? You know what I mean? Like that you can't make that switch. And then we end up losing what we probably would have won the game if Schrader was playing. Like all this stuff could have been said. He was probably going to get killed in, in D.C. That was that took a lot of guts. And again, I just think that speaks to his vision, him understanding what his team needs. And it's like that system. Like, you know what? This is going to work. I know what Duck can do. He's going to take us to the promised land. I don't know if if the race piece was in his head as well, like I, you know, if we can win a Super Bowl with this, this team will be talked about forever. I don't know, but I'm glad he made this change and I'm glad that it ended up the way it ended up, you know, for the NFL for sure. And obviously for a lot more reasons than that. To me, he could be naive. I don't think that was like, yeah, a, I don't think so. Motivation either. to bring yeah. him in, but there's no way when you're in the NFL and that good old boy club that that is still persistent now, but even more so then, and the stereotypes, those code words that people use now, so they use them even more then. And at that point, no cube in the you know Washington had been established. They're looking to play for championships, so no QB had gotten the opportunity. I'm not going to say that they didn't do it. They weren't given the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. So you see what. Um, that kind of move, he had to think like, okay, I I have to be ready. Like that stuff's going to yeah. come in, so yeah. I got to be able to block. Like that to me, like had to have crossed his mind, especially back at you know nineteen eighty six. Yeah, and brings him in like like people are going to talk. Got to block that out and keep going. So I I, I think, and honestly, the way Jack Kent Cook was, <laughs> if you know they had went to two Super Bowls, they won one. But if that winds up blowing up in his face, I'm not saying he gets fired, like, boom, 87 season. Do I think the pressure, the heat's on him? I, oh, yeah. I think it I think it would be. I think, yeah. Because they did not have that strong a year in 88 either. So yeah. I think, yeah, that the heat would be on Joe Gibbs if that did not work out. You know, another fascinating thing is that, to me, it's like all these things should kind of add to his lore. <laughs> I know and that he should be talked about more, is in 87 with the strike, he has, is arguably, one. you could make a point, the greatest upset ever, in where he has replacement players go down to, you know, they're with Washington, they go down to Texas Stadium, Cowboy great, a lot of them had crossed the picket line, so you got Tony Dorsett, Danny White, Randy White, Hall of Fame players, and with these replacement guys, you get that win on the road in Texas Stadium. And what's baffling is they made a movie about this. The replacements <laughs> yeah. is based off of this story, and yet no one talks about it. It's, and it's not like the biggest hit, but it's a known movie, The Replacements. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And the thing is, it took me years. I don't know about you, Jose, where I didn't know that it was based off of a – I thought it was just a movie Yeah, about, I didn't like, the either. strike. I didn't know, like, oh, this is based off of the 87 87- – Washington Dallas game. And to me, it's like, you know, looking like that should add to like his pop, you know, pop culture, like the mythology of him should grow even greater. And it doesn't, nope, doesn't help him. Yeah, he's, he's obviously we're going to paint this picture throughout this episode, but he's grossly underrated when we talk about 
top coaches and, and you know you hear about Mike Ditka so much you know and if we compare these two Ditka to Gibbs there's no comparison like not even it's not even close you know what I mean like and you hear I'm just thinking of names back in the mm-hmm. 80s and stuff and you know um yeah he he's grossly he's grossly underrated so going back to you know the point where you were just making um about the Doug Williams situation and and if that blows up in his face right you know, again, I, I I don't think he loses his job the next season, but you talked about that 88 season, then he played well. And if you even add to that, that 83 season, and I know it had nothing to do with Doug Williams, but that, you know, obviously 82, they win the Super Bowl. 83, arguably one of the best teams of all time, right? That 83 Redskins season, especially offensively, but defensively, that team was really good too. And they don't win the Super Bowl there. You know what I mean? Like, and they got upset by the Raiders. And if they win that Super Bowl, now we're talking about back-to-back Super Bowls. Like, I think this is a, it might be a completely different conversation. I don't know, you know, but but if he he lost that Super Bowl and then he loses in 87, technically, right, because of a switch that he made. I mean, his also his legacy is completely different, but that I think that, that rope is, is so much shorter you know, in 88, maybe 89, whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I, that, that Doug Williams switch was, was huge and it paid off, but it, he's, he's lucky that it did. I'll say this because they, he wins his third in 91. If they don't win in 87, he's not lasting to 91 in my opinion. Right. Like he right. wouldn't, if it's not like, well, he would have eventually got another. I don't think he's sticking around to 91. If they, that doesn't work out in my opinion. Um, so then there's a couple things I want to look at to the maybe why do you think this adds to it? Is he overlooked? Um, do you think a lot of people, the definition of a dynasty, and you, you said earlier, the most diverse dynasty that you, I heard that quote too, you know, from NFL films, a lot of people in their opinion, now what a sports dynasty is, it differs with people, but it's, you have to at least have a back-to-back championship in there. Yeah. Do you think that affects it where he did not – he won three Super Bowls in, you know, from 82 to 91 in that span, but none of them are back-to-back. He didn't win any back-to-back. Does that does that play a factor into it? I, I think so. Um, you know, two out of three, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's definitely – you need them to be a little closer together, I think, to, to be considered a dynasty. But – Right. Let's let's talk about this 80s run that that Joe Gibbs had, because it's an impressive run. Right. If, if this team is, you know, if, if a coach in New York is having success now, obviously Parcells has success like this. But if if and you know, if this coach, if he's coaching the Jets and the Jets have the success like this is like polarized even more. And I'm not saying D.C. is a small market because it's not. But. I mean, if you look at the success he had in the 80s, it, it's it's incredible, man. Like, obviously, he was hired at 81, right? They were 8-8 eight and, eight and 81, but they won 8 out of their last 11. And 82 yeah, he started 0-5 that year. Right, right. Started 0-5, but had the best offense in the league. So you knew something was, like, was building there. But, again, won 8 out of the last 11 games. 82, they started off 2-0. Strike happens 57 day. I think the next game is like mid November, end of November, something like that. They go eight and one, right? That season win the Super Bowl. The next season we just talked about in 83, 
possibly one of the best teams of all time. They go 14 and two. The two losses were combined by two points. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's 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 an incredible season. If you have, if you don't look back, check the stats on them. It's an incredible season they had. They lose to the Raiders in the Super Bowl. We all know Marcus Allen runs up the middle. That beautiful play. Super Bowl loss. Next season, 84, they go 11 and 5. They lose to the Bears in a divisional game. 85, they go 10 and 6. They don't make the playoffs. 10 and 6. You know, and again, they were third in the NFC East at 10 and 6. We just talked about that 86 season. They lose to the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Giants. They go 12 and 4 at 86. And then the following season, they go 11 and 4. Another strike shortened season. Super Bowl champs. Like that's an impressive, an, an impressive he, run. In that, look at he, that, in that original run from eighty-one to ninety, I think ninety-two season, ninety-three, he retires. Uh, there's only one losing season, right? In that run, right? You know uh, that that's so. How impressive that is! Only one losing season, um, in that era, in that conference. You know, in what I'm that division. Like in that division, and we're looking at the teams that he lost to in the playoffs, the Bears, 84, the Bears were a, a really good team. 86, again, the Giants, arguably one of the best defenses of all time. You know, in the NFC Championship game at that, right? Excuse me. Um, we look later on in 90, he loses to the 49ers, right? Again, he lost to another 49ers team. It's just he's losing to these powerhouse teams, but – Again, when we look at the Redskins, we're like, oh, yeah, of course they should have lost to the Giants and the Bears and the 49ers. But, like, the Redskins were on par or, in some of those teams' cases, even better. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they don't – you know, when we talk about team in the 80s, when I ask you, Jeremy, give me the team in the 80s. What's the first team you're going to say? Probably you're going to say Fran. the 40, 49ers, yeah. Giants. You know, some people will go with the Bears because that 85 season just, like, sticks out like crazy. But, yeah, I'm going Redskins, number three. You know what I mean? And possibly even number two to the Giants. But, again, that's arguable. I, I probably would go to number two. Honestly, I, I, I would go with um, the only part about it, but then it's not throughout the whole decade. But the Raiders, yeah, the Raiders won in 80 and 83. But, you know, that was the early part of the decade. The later part yeah. of the decade are not the same. So I, I go Washington at number two. Honestly, outside because uh, you know people may look at it, but Parcells he, that second title that's ninety and ninety one, so that's not the eighties. And they they're one of the teams you think about in the eighties. But I'm thinking about Washington, number two behind San Fran's number one. Gotta yeah, give it to them. Yeah, but uh, Washington is number two, honestly. And what I'll say is also looking at it. We look at a lot of times. I feel like coaches are divided into, all right, we, do you just great leader and winner, or were you innovative? Like you did a different style of play. Joe Gibbs has both. Yes, you know Joe Gibbs has the what he did on offense, and we look at from the counter tray to the innovation of the H back. Those are Joe Gibbs staples, honestly. Um, there were great offensive lines before the Hogs. Even though I put the Hogs there, and for me, they're definitely in my top five great offensive oh, yeah. lines. Yeah, easily. I don't think the offensive line, like there were great ones before it, it was not popularized. I feel like even today, the O line still has a way to go where people recognizing and understanding as casual fans 
what's going on slash the true importance of an offensive line. But I feel like that's where it started with Joe Gibbs and the Hogs. And, you know, obviously the late Joe Bugle was the O-line coach. I don't know if an O-line I don't know if he's the first O-line coach I I think of, like, was known, like Joe Bugle as an offensive line coach where – because people to, think of him as the, head, the terrible head coach of the Cardinals back right, in the day. Right, and it's, right, No, this dude was an amazing old line coach. And now when you hear people talk about it, they're like, all right, as when you get hired, that number, like that, maybe that most important assistant coach is that offensive line coach. Yep. And to me, like Joe Bugle was the big start of that. So, you know, the innovations that he did on, on the offensive side of the ball, we see to this day, and they've impacted it. You know, I, I still believe – Fan bases now that even I don't think before Washington in the 80s, it was just like, oh, those old linemen, you just noticed them when they got called for a penalty or holding, you know, the holding call, whatever. I gave up a big sack. But now you hear fan bases. We got to work on the offensive line. Now, sometimes I'm like, do you even know what that means totally? But that's a different story. But I believe starting, you know, you look at it, you know, hand in hand, Joe Gibbs, and the O-line with LT and his dominance. But still, Joe Gibbs was the one who really made those moves to kind of help help to block LT. And LT struggled. I know that people think about the broken leg with Theismann. LT did not dominate. He dominated most teams. He didn't dominate Washington. And that's a big part of that offensive line. Yeah, and yeah, and the offensive line and him going to the single back. Right. And, and putting a tight end over LT. And, you know, he talks about it all the time. Like, you know, early on, right, when LT was doing his thing and he was young. Yeah, he was dominating and they couldn't do anything with him. But then again, the genius comes out and he's like and then again, you're not seeing that in the NFL. Right. You're not seeing a single back. We see that all the time now. Right. Like, you know, one back tight end three wide receivers like let's go like you know nobody was doing that back then and then he comes recognizes that <laughs> there's a big situation with the giants that we have to we have to learn how to block because if you look at the other division the divisional teams lt was destroying the eagles lt was destroying the cowboys right and we count arizona or phoenix at the time but he was destroying them and you're right like he was not I don't. There's not too many highlights of him doing his crazy stuff that he used to do against the Redskins, like you know, and the Redskins at the time, obviously. But it's just again like those two pieces, that innovation there, and you hear it. You mention it. You hear it all the time. We got to start. Got to build from the line out. You know, that's Joe Gibbs, right? Like that's what Joe Gibbs did, and that's what he made very successful. And now again, we talked about it earlier. Teams are still doing that, and that's because of coaches like Gibbs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to be real here. It may sound one of the things that we need to talk about, especially as time goes on, that honestly the way it's going might be just as impressive as the three Super Bowl wins with three different QBs. This guy, he, he went to the playoffs twice and won a playoff game, came back under Dan Snyder. Yeah. In spite, he won in spite of Dan Snyder's being a dumbass. Like, that's what I got to like, if, like, that's huge. Like, the success, like, people don't think about that. Look at, like, one of the worst owners ever, Dan Snyder. And Joe Gibbs came back, and I thought, oh, I ain't going to lie. I was like, 
I didn't want to. I didn't want him to come back. No, because I'm like twelve years later. It's like I'm like your legacy is going to be tarnished working for this guy. Like you're going to have some bad years, and got to the postseason twice, won a playoff game, in spite of Dan Snyder being so inept. Like that's impressive, right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you think about that team. Like after he leaves in 07, it's like there's not much success after that. You know what I'm saying? And again, it just shows that he can be away from the game for 12, 12 years, come back. He had a losing season in, uh, I think, the first year he came back in 04. They, they were 6-10. and 10. In 05, again, 10-6, and six, they lose to the Seahawks in the divisional game, right? It, it's just... It's just genius, right? Like, it doesn't matter what era, you know, it doesn't matter what players. He is just going to make things work because, again, he knows how to motivate. He knows how to He knows how to coach, obviously. Like, offensively, he's just – there's not too many other men I'm putting – any other coaches I'm putting over him. Not too many. It's a handful, maybe. And, again, like, it, he took a step away 12 years, comes back, still successful – and then 07, he after the 07 season, he retires again. And this organization goes to <laughs> straight downhill after that. A couple well, good seasons after that, but that, that's about it. Well, remember, a big thing is not only did he step away, no, he becomes a Hall of Famer in another sport. Yeah. It's almost like, I'm bored. You know, I, I've dominated NASCAR, so now let me come back for, to this challenge. And I know that's not really because he's a humble guy, it seems, but it's almost like that. It's like, man, like, I he because he could have gone anywhere. I think anybody would have took him. But it's like I want to go back there, and Dan Snyder's reputation as it's plummeting even more, worse, more and more. It was terrible back when Joe Gibbs came. Yeah, it's never been really good. But like Joe Gibbs knew that and still came back and had success. And honestly, I kind of wonder whether if Sean Taylor R.I.P. doesn't pass away. I kind of wonder if Joe Gibbs can't take that even further. Honestly. I feel like that took the win out of everyone's sales, including yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, he was building something for sure. And, you know, it, I would have liked to have seen, again, like a couple more seasons of that. But I, I if that was the case, then I, I can understand that for sure. Well, let me ask you something, something I thought about when thinking about just uh, just uh, Dan Snyder. He's saying his name sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, with us and we see like history, but a lot of times when you see a team have success and not just in football and and other sports too, a lot of times they're getting compared to previous franchise teams. You know, I remember 06 when the bears went to the super bowl, they lost, but doing the, they had that defense with lovey and people were like, are they like the 85 bears or, you know, just different teams and the Steelers win, they get, talked about the steel curtain or they talk about bill cowers 90 Steelers. like has that hurt him that washington really since he left hasn't done anything there's not that oh great washington run or that team and we're not like oh we're talking i mean when the raiders have success we're like oh it's bringing back the silver and black owl i remember when like you know the raiders were good and like Hey, this is an old Raider Chief rivalry, and you're seeing yeah. the clips. But like, we haven't had that with Washington since he left. How much do you think? Do you think, or do you think at all, has that hurt his legacy? Like, we're not remembering these teams in that light. No, that's a good point, and I, I think it does hurt them because again, like when you when the team has that success again, 
we look back, right? Like you just said it, like we always compare and look back and this team hasn't been in the NFC Championship game since, you know, this 91 Redskins team and how great was that team and blah, 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 blah. Like and then you're looking at all those intangibles and the coaching and all that. You're bringing them back. You're interviewing them. Now you're right. he's back in the spotlight again. But yeah, like I think because of what, because of the type of organization it is, number one. Um, but number two, just what has happened to this organization since he's retired, right? In 07, after the 07 season, excuse me. And it's just like all the back, again, the Dan Snyder stuff alone, it's more than enough to to deal with. Then again, obviously with the name. And I, I know I keep referring to them as, you know, Washington Redskins, but we're talking about this team in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Now it's obviously the Washington Commanders, and rightfully so. I agree with the name change. I'm totally okay on board with that. But it's just all that stuff that we, th- we think about this organization. And it's just like from an organization where when I was growing up, it was like we were talking about before we jumped on. It, it was just like, man, like like this is one of the top organizations in the in the league. I'm thinking I'm looking at them from far, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're very successful. They're always, and we talked about like the NFL on, on CBS and stuff like that. They're always on TV. I'm always watching these guys play. They're winning Super Bowls. You know, they have all these good players till like to right now where it's like nobody, even, they players don't even want to go to that team. Right. And it's just because all this stuff is going on. And I, I, I agree. I, I think, Everything that happened with that and the lack of success is just people are just burying this organization and they're just like, what team is that? You know what I'm saying? It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. it's it's not, it's not good. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I, I feel like in college sports, we could college, you know, football and basketball, a coach can kind of loom, you know, John Thompson looms over Georgetown's program. Uh, Bill Snyder looms over Kansas State. Tark looms over UNLV basketball. Like, how do you get out of that shadow? In my opinion, no coach looms over a franchise more than I feel like Joe Gibbs does with mm. Washington. And I say that because even, like, I know you have Lombardi and all he did and all that in Green Bay, but still, that – Aura that franchise is, you know, he has success with Holmgren, the mystique of Lambo, the mystique of, hey, it's a little town and, you know, fans own the team. Like Lombardi's still a huge figure there, but it's not just him. Where I feel like in Washington, even like Bill Walsh with San Fran, they've had success after, you know, Seifert won and different things. Like, you know, they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Like Bill Walsh looms big, but. There's other stuff there too. I feel like they're presenting it where I feel like Washington is stuck in. It's just Joe Gibbs. That era looms over. And I, I do, I do feel for that fan base where it's like, they're just looking back that that looms and teases them kind of constantly. And I don't feel like there's a, a coach who looms his legacy. Good. It's a great legacy, but also in a way it just looms over a franchise. Like, are you ever going to get back to those days? Are you ever going to get a Joe Gibbs in here? Are you ever going to get the kind of players to run? Are the fans going to get excited? Say him, say going to rock the way it did back here. I feel like he just kind of looms over it. Um, and that's not his fault, but I feel like no one, no other coach to me kind of has that like him. 
Yeah, and, and you know, we've talked about some of the negative stuff with the organization, right? Like everything that they and the fan base has to deal with. But let's talk about also like some of the coaches that were hired after him, right? Like you, it, there's been so many. It, that's I'm just trying to add to your point. It's like there's been so many misses and like really bad misses when it comes to like a, a coaching hire, right? Like we got trying to think and I'm trying to do this in order, but I'm probably going to kill this. But, you know, I think it was like North Turner back in like 99. You know what I mean? North, that obviously, North uh, was before. He's that was 94. Yeah, yeah, that was 90. Yeah, yeah. But Dan fired. That was Dan, you know, you're fired. Like that was, he, yeah, he, yeah. he didn't last under Dan long, but yeah, North was there. Yeah, you had Terry Brubisky, like in 2000. Like then you had Marty Ball try to come and do that in 01. And then you got dudes like Steve Spurrier. Like it's just so many coaching blunders. They're like laughable almost. It's just, uh, and then we're going to always refer to like, man, the, the best coach in the past 40 seasons for this organization is still. Joe Gibbs, as to your point there, I mean, it's like, yeah, Lombardi did what Lombardi did. And it's, you know, the trophy's still named after him, stuff like that. But Mike Holmgren had tons of success. And, you know, we talked about the Holmgren, you know, coaching tree and all that. That's another huge historical NFL historical aspect for the Green Bay Packers. As if you go to, you know, the Washington team and it's like it's Gibbs and then it's just it's just a screeching halt. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. nothing else happens after that. It's, it's bad. It's rough. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've heard in the past about why Joe Gibbs might be overlooked, and I want to see what you think about it, is you look at it, and their footnotes, they did not cause a season not to happen. It's not like the 94 baseball strike, but 82, a big, that strike was long. Like people, yeah, I think. 57 days. Yeah, that strike was very long. 87, another strike. So do you think that, hey, for two of those three Super Bowls, they were doing strike-shortened seasons? And, like, how much do you think that affects his legacy? I think it does, honestly. Like, I, I really do. And I and I don't think it should, but I've, I've heard – I've read the same stuff, and it, it, it makes sense, though. Like, in a way, it's like, you know, because I'm trying to think – I can't think of the other like other sports where you're just talking about the strikes, shortened seasons, and like those championship teams. And but if you again, like if you're say you're a Cowboys fan or an Eagles fan, right? And it's like, yeah, Joe Gibbs three Super Bowls, yeah, but two of them were strike shortened seasons. And and it, like a casual fan will go, ah, oh, well, yeah, like that, you know, can play a part in it, you know. So it, I think it does diminish it a little bit. I don't think it should, but I think it does for well, sure. Well, I can counter you. I guess bring it up. Don't uh, counter me. <laughs> not counter, but I mean, yeah, not yeah, counter no, you, but bring I'm up, joking. bring up the, uh, the point. I read like ninety, like Greg Popovich, five titles. That first one, yep. ninety nine, a fifty game season. I don't feel like that hurts his legacy. No, nobody talks about that. Yeah, um, I can look at eighty one Dodgers Lasorda strike season. They had that whole like if you were first place in the beginning of the season versus like the first place in the second half, a weird whole thing. But like, I don't hear that when you talk about Lasorda and the Dodgers, I don't hear that being mentioned at all. Like that weird wonky strike season in 81. I think the interesting will be 
Corona, like how we look at 2020 yeah. champs, like with the Dodgers, honestly, the Lakers, the Lakers. Champs, yeah. yeah. So like, that's going to be kind of interesting, but I feel like Greg Popovich legacy is not tarnished winning his first title in a strike shortened season. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Like I don't even, people don't mention that ever. And then the thing is with Joe Gibbs, it's like that, you know, that 82 season, Again, 83, we talked about it already. They went 14-2. and two. That 82 season, they were going to be close to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they were going to have some back, some all-time great back-to-back seasons, especially offensively. They were a juggernaut. Like, they were crushing records. 83, they had the record for total yards for a while. You know what I mean? Like, and again, like, if they – obviously, they win the Super Bowl that season. But if they have a full season of that dominance, again, they were 8-1 – like they they were rolling, man, and that season I think hurts his legacy because again, if they go thirteen and three in eighty two for per se, right, and obviously they win that Super Bowl in eighty three, say they would have won that Super Bowl going fourteen and two, dominated the way they did. I think they beat the Vikings like fifty one to seven, I think, in a divisional that mm-hmm. year. It it was something ugly, man, and then I think it's a different conversation because it's like this 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 man has two of the most dominant seasons, Super Bowl seasons of all time. And it, we have to we have to talk about this. Now you're looking at four Super Bowl wins compared to three, and there's, like, there's not a lot of guys before. It, it's, it's totally different, man. And it's just I think this I think the short seasons, yeah, like the strike seasons, the, the championships, yeah, like can hurt them a little bit. But I think it's specifically that 82 season, like they would have been rolling over people. And they just we missed out on we missed out on the great team. No, I think that's a good point because I feel like eighty seven. I think both, and maybe that's the question. Like, it hurts them, but should we give someone more praise if right. we keep a group together during a strike? Not even like, like for basketball for Popovich, that strike, the season didn't start. Which I I, I have no clue which one is harder. Like if it's harder to you know strike shortened season in any sport, whether like it's a stoppage in the middle of it or it delays the start, I that's a I don't yeah. know. Like either way, I feel like it's difficult to win. Um, I don't know if the people would say one is harder or not, but like you know, both cases like they stopped during the season and then had these these breaks, eighty two much longer than eighty seven. But 87, I feel like, yeah, like he had the replacement game against the Cowboys and it showed coaching where he still he told those guys like, hey, I don't like this strike. You guys are my guys, but we're going to need these guys to get in. We can't take these L's and we're not going to get the playoffs when you get back. So I got to coach these guys up. So um, it, it, 82, I think you're right, could hurt them. But honestly, should it or like. Mark Mosley is the kicker. You're the best player technically is the kicker. Yeah, he's the MVP he's the of best, the league. He's the best player. Yeah. You win. Who else can say that? I know. Where the best player on a Super Bowl team is the kicker. Yeah, he, he saved their asses that season. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, because if you look at it, outside of George Stark, the the Hogs. That's all second-year guy. That's a very young O-line. Yep. You know, Mark May came 81, Jacoby 81, Russ Grimm, Jeff Bostic. That's a, like, I think <laughs> That's Bostic a great was, line, dude. Yeah. 
and Bostic might have came in eight, but like they're so you're getting all George Stark is the only one who's a veteran on that O line. So you think about that, like you you do this with a kicker who's the MVP bailing you out and an O line built off of some undrafted guy. You know, Jacoby's not drafted, uh Bostic's not drafted, drafted, and they're all second year guys. Yeah. Like that that's an impressive, impressive thing. It's very impressive. And if you so let's let's talk I so the eighty seven team I think is the not the worst team, but out of the three Super Bowl teams, it's I will put that team third, right? Because you know, we talked about the eighty two season, we talked about the eighty three season, the eighty seven season. That ninety one Redskins team, and you know I've referred to this team often. It you it do. might be it might be and again, I was young, so I think they it just kind of was like elevated because of that. It was probably the best team I've ever seen for one season. You know what I mean? Like there's been I mean, we got New England when they went undefeated and they lost to the Giants. Some that Cowboys team was a dominant team. You know, I, I, I seen them do some shit to teams, especially here in Philly. But that ninety one Reskin, that was a powerhouse monster team and it, it was like no stopping them from the jump. Like but when I think of that team, it's like Who's the player that sticks out to me? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can name you. I can name you probably the whole starting defense and offense. But like, there's no player that's like a sexy player, you know, for me. And it, it's just a shame because again, it was such a dominant season that people don't even talk about. It. They just like just go over that season because you talk about the Giants and you know that Bills Super Bowl and that's just like such a big event. And then you go to the Cowboys right after that. It's like they're so overshadowed. It's so unfair, man. Like this guy is like the greatness that he has is always overshadowed by something. Uh, there's an argument to be made, um, and maybe that could be for you know a better episode. But just to touch on it too, like to go deeper into it, the '91 Redskins is the the best for a single season, the best team of the Super Bowl era. Like '91 Redskins, there's an argument to be made there. Just on, like, if you know, you know, we look at it's a combination of analytics a lot of times, at least, you know, for me, I think for you too, like, analytics is important to an extent, but it's that eye test, it's everything else. But a combination of what they did in the season to really look at playoff dominance, strength of schedule, who they beat, they beat many of the teams that they beat in the playoffs and that were playoff teams. They beat in that regular season. So strength of schedule, balance for as far as uh, offense, defense, bet you had an elite offense, you had an elite defense, <laughs> special teams, all those things combined for a single season. Many people have started making that point that you're not going to find a better team for one year in the Super Bowl era than 91 Washington. Right. And you talk about O-line, that O-line was an all-time – and again, people don't talk about this O-line – but I'm trying to remember. I think they played the Eagles the last game, and they were if they would if they, if they didn't give up a sack, it would have been six sacks all season. I think they gave up like eight that whole they season. seven that whole season, dude. Seven like the sacks whole season, the whole year. Man. It's it's amazing, man. And again, it's not like they were just run and run and run. Like Mark Ripley had an amazing season. You had all those wide receivers going catching bombs all over the place. It, it was just it was so much fun to watch as a football fan. You know that it, it was just like man, like this, this, this. Even young, I was like, this coach is a is a genius doing it with all these guys that 
you didn't hear from ever again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. Like it, it's just it, it, that's how great of a coach he was. And honestly, um, you have to look at it. They really lost one. They lost to Dallas. Right. Dallas gave them that loss because they were sitting everyone against the Eagles in that yeah. right, final regular yeah. season game. And then yeah, they lost to Dallas, the Cowboys, but the dominance, we talk about 85 Bears, their dominance throughout the playoffs, 86 Giants, and they did. You look at what the 91 Washington Redskins did and the dominance that they showed in the divisional, the championship game, and I hate to bring it up, but of the Bills Super Bowl losses, the one that they got smacked the hardest to me, I know the score, 52-17 with the Cowboys, but they got smacked the hardest yeah. That Washington, that was like the most where it was like, ooh, that's the ugliest one. If you watch it from start to finish, yep. that second Super Bowl was like they just got manhandled. It, I mean, 24 <laughs> yes. nothing they in did. the third. Like, yeah, I don't blame Thurman for losing his helmet. Like, I can't knock him. So He didn't lose yeah. it. Somebody grabbed it. Ah, okay. Okay. But, I mean, 14-2 and two the regular season, but – you know, you beat the Falcons 24-7, and then you beat the Lions 41-10. They beat the Lions so bad, the Lions just tanked after that. 30 years later, the Lions still ain't recovered. <laughs> so, I mean, it's I mean, maybe Dan Campbell can get him going again, but Detroit yeah. still ain't bounced back since that loss. So, it, it's just why he, he – so he breaks that myth, right? Because if he doesn't win that one, then you can really say, all right, two Super Bowls, three appearances – but they were both for strikes short in season. So, no, he does it in a full season, no strikes, and that's still not good enough. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Like, it, it's 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 mind-blowing. And, again, if he was coaching today, he would be one of the best coaches in the league. Like, it's just it, – it doesn't matter where you stuck him at. As again, there's, he, he's in the league 81. The league – transformed while he was a coach, right? Like it, it went from like just pounded and great defense to offenses started to like really evolve, you know, and then he's a part of that. Don't get me wrong, but these offenses are evolving and he evolved right with them. And again, we talked about this 91 season where that offense just blew up and he was doing it on the ground through the air. Like, and it wasn't like dink and dunk and it was just like, they were chucking the ball down the field, play action passing. And, you know, it, it was just, again, like we go back to, him being like so innovative and and it, another thing with his teams too and especially his offenses is like you would not only were they innovative but you can see they was always like a trick play here and there right mm-hmm. you always had like brian mitchell catching a pitch and throwing a bomb somewhere it was they were always good for that stuff a couple times a year and it, it like he keeps you on your toes so not only can he just run up the gut and beat you that way which is the worst way to beat a team because that that as a fan, especially you're watching that, and they four yards up the middle, six yards up the middle, like that's just such an agonizing way to lose. But they can do that to you, and then every once in a while they boop, they pitch it, and then it's a pass again. It's just it, it was so much fun. Again, I keep saying it, but it was just so much fun to watch that team. No, absolutely, and I think um, if he was coaching today and the same success and same personality, and I even think if the teams were the same personality. I think that's just how much coverage has changed with sports yeah. and in football. And honestly, coverage of coaches even has changed even more. Like so, and they're even more covered where I think if he's coaching in, in, in the past in the twenty first century, he has this success. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. I mean, he's 
not a personnel. And I think from what I've heard, for both guys, Belichick and Gibbs, when they're not on camera, they are interesting, fascinating guys. But Belichick, his per- that's become the biggest one of the big jokes in sports is a Bill Belichick press con. Like it gets turned around. So I feel like if Joe Gibbs was coaching in you know, the past twenty years, it'd be totally different. We he'd be put on that pedestal. Um, so let, let me ask you this, Darren, because I I was going to ask you this earlier, and it just kind of slipped my mind, but you brought it back. Um, we talk about the press conferences, right? And they're important for head coaches. And I'm not saying like they're legacy builders, but you know, there are coaches who are really good in press conferences, right? Jim Morrow is really good. You know, like we all see those quotes and, and those um, tirades and stuff like that. But we talked about Bill Parcells, very charismatic, very good in press conferences. You know, we talk about Jimmy Johnson, Bill Walsh was, had his moments like in front of the camera, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember anything like that with Joe Gibbs. Do you think that's also a part of it as well? Well, yes and no, because that, was we've seen, can hurt you too. Jim Moore is a much better coach and did things yes. Yes. than people realize, but his legacy will always be playoffs. Dennis Green was a much better coach. Yes. But that, you know, crown their ass is what we're going to talk about. So <laughs> Let him it, off the hook. <laughs> yeah, we let him off the hook. So, like – it can also hurt you. Like it can damage your legacy where like I tell people Jim Moore, what he did with new Orleans and they didn't win the playoff game, but still that franchise was dead for 20 years laughing stock. Yeah. And he came in there and had them competing and battling and, and built a culture like hats off to him. The Colts were nothing in Indianapolis. Oh, they were terrible. That for the whole time, and now don't get me wrong, it's Bill Polian helping out too, who they brought in, but the success, what built that Colts Peyton Manning dynasty, Jim Moore was at the helm of that. So, like, it can hurt you. So that's why I don't want to say, like, oh, if he did that, because who knows. But, yeah, I do think he he just blocked it out, you know. Right. Um, what Joe Gibbs did that kind of reminds me of like Belichick was like they just like you, they just focus on the details better than everyone else, and it seems like they just they can't do both. They couldn't entertain like the media and all the like, and other guys are better at that. Parcells and Jimmy Johnson to me, when it came to X's and O's and strategy, they weren't attention to detail guys. They were motivators. They were yeah. great talent evaluators. They surrounded themselves with excellent with, coaches. Right, right. And Joe Gibbs did too, but it, it was like he led that like attention to detail and being like able to adjust in game, I think, just as good as anyone ever. So I think what he did in Washington is he blocked out that noise. Because like you just said earlier, it's not New York, but it is a big media market, a lot of attention. And Washington, D.C. does love their football. That's a big deal. Yeah. The football area, that DMV area. So I think he just blocked it out, and that's what he had to do to succeed. You know, he's maybe even more than a Dick Vermeil, like those 18-hour workdays that he did, 20-hour workdays that, you know, Joe Gibbs slept during the regular season. You know, he slept at the complex. He didn't go home. Yeah. And, and, you know, his wife had to tape events. Like, that's how he saw his kids growing up. 
she was video camera and taping it. So like that dedication, I think he blocked the media. And I think that's what he needed to do. Cause I think if he schmooze with the media more, I think for him that would hurt his success. Okay. Uh, another thing, and you just saying that you kind of brought another thing to my mind. Um, and I think we talked about it when we had Bob Glover on, on the show um, back in 2020. Um, we think about Parcells, right? And we were just talking about like surrounding himself with good coaches, great coaches, right? Like we can, there's a Parcells tree, right? There's obviously with Belichick, Romeo Cornell, like all these guys, right? We talk about Bill Walsh, that coaching tree. We talk about Jimmy Johnson, that coaching tree. When we think about Joe Gibbs, what's the coaching tree there? Like, you know, we talked about Joe Bugle. What else? You know what I, I mean? I, so, I, I think Loki, that's a great point you brought up. And I think we might have mentioned it with Bob. I'm not sure, but I, I know we talked about it afterwards. Um, but I think that could be, I don't think it's the number one reason, but it could be, a, it's a low key, big reason. We don't think about that. If he had a coaching tree that was successful. Um, because they also carry that legacy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like absolutely. we think of Belichick, we look at, we, they go back on Belichick. It's like those giants and him having those conversations on the sideline with Parcells. Parcells, like giving them a lot of praise. They're doing 30 for 30s years later, right? Like we're looking at all that. We're looking at Mike Holmgren talk about his time with, with, with Bill Walsh. We're looking at Mike Holmgren's coaching tree and Andy Reid talking about all this stuff. Like, we're looking at all these guys, and that that keeps that legacy going. And it's just like there wasn't anything with Joe Gibbs. And for me, that's that's always two reasons, right? For me, it's like, one, this guy was that much of a genius that he could surround himself with just average coaches, and they're just going to still be a good team. But then again, it's like, all right, like, that says something to me. You know what I mean? Because we, we kill Belichick for that, too. You know, we kill Belichick for – his greatness and, you know, that coaching tree is it's not as successful as everyone would have thought. And it's just like, I think to your point where you mentioned it earlier, it's like they're so detail-oriented and so focused on that that they can handle all of that stuff and not have the greatest coaches around them as compared well, to, like, other guys that would need that a little more. What I'll say to the – and I, we don't truly know, though – is I I I I would probably hold off on average coaches. Like they were average. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Heck, yeah. because you could be a great assistant coach. Right, right. right. Some guys are built to be a great assistant. I, Joe Bugle, you know, we've people like Merrill Reese came on a, what a month ago and talked about assistant coaches to be in the Hall of Fame. Joe Bugle as an O line coach, if you did that, he would be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. you know, so like he. Richie Pettibon was a great D coordinator for him. So it's some guys aren't head coaches, like great head. Like, cause Jimmy has a known Jimmy Johnson. I'm saying has a known coaching tree. None of them were great head no. coaches. I think they're great assistant coach. Norv is a great OC. Yeah, Dave wants that. Yeah. Great. Butch Davis was a great assistant, but. Great, none of them to me. Bush Davis in college, yeah, maybe, but like that's the closest. Like none of them were great NFL, but I still think they're that's a great coaching tree. So I think like it does hurt them. I think you're right, but I do think like even with the Belichick thing, and I, yeah, I think you could do better in grooming them. 
But also, I don't know. Romeo Cornell, I don't know if he's just a great assistant coach. It's been and, around forever. Yeah. You know he's doing something right. He's a great assistant. You know, I don't know. if Mc, We'll see with McDaniels. He might be a great OC. Mangini could have been a uh, hell of a D coordinator, but not a head coach. Like, um, it's interesting to see. Like, it really is. So, but I do think that's a great point. Like, that would – and especially with what's going on in Washington, if he had a coaching tree and guys to this day are succeeding, that would help his legacy in spite of Washington being a, you know, such a toxic environment. So all around, all around, (laughs) all around, not just on the field, but everywhere, Uh, all around, all around. Um, I'll say this. Do you think for the Super Bowl era, Joe Gibbs is the greatest coach of all time in the Super Bowl era? Uh, man, that's tough. Um, I would say no, but he's top five in my opinion. Now, why do you say I mean, no? I just think I, I would go – I mean, we're talking Super Bowl era, so there's a lot of great coaches there. Um so you would put him over, like a Bill Walsh. You would put him over a Jimmy Johnson. You would put him over. I like, I definitely some of other coaches. Yeah, um, the only one to me that is th- there's two guys who like the only is the only conversation for for Super Bowl era. It's Belichick and Bill Walsh. I definitely Joe Gibbs to me is no comparison with Jimmy Johnson. He's way above Jimmy. Joe Gibbs is better than Bill Parcells, uh, and for me, coaching, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I put Gibbs. So for coaching, the I think he's in the top three. Um, I think even if you you know Lombardi, I know first two Super Bowls, but like I you know I still think he's. I think there's no way Gibbs. I think should be on Mount Rushmore of great NFL coaches. Yeah, I he's an all time. So to me, he's an all top five, all time greatest coaches of of, of any era. <laughs> yeah, prize Super Bowl, anything. Like I, I think he was that great, and and even the seasons where he didn't win Super Bowls, you know, he was losing in NFC Championship games to teams who were having great seasons, like all time great season. That type of shit is what it took to beat him in the playoffs. Like we talked about the '84 Bears, they were about to ascend into this great run and they were they had built that team into what it was 86 Giants we talked about how amazing that defense is and just how all around offensively they were just like really good and they could run the ball on anyone you know at the end towards the end of the 80s he was losing to the 49ers we know what that was about like how great that team was so it, it's it took those type of seasons to, to knock this guy out of the playoffs and that just that just speaks a lot to his coaching ability. And to counter, we look at like I'm just using this as a comparison for those listening. You know, we've talked about man, what MJ the legacies if MJ wasn't around and win his titles, and I throw Hakeem in there in the '90s. What players their legacies be different? We and we can point to we talked about it. People talk about the '85 Bears and why they didn't win. The direct reason. That why uh-huh. they, why they didn't win more is Joe Joe Gibbs in, in Washington that yeah. he knocked him out in eighty six and eighty seven consecutive years going into Soldier Field and bouncing them. Um, 
we can look at in 83, the championship game, they beat Bill Walsh and the 49ers. Yep. And who knows? I, I, if, if the Niners go back there, you know, that Raider team, the LA Raiders were a hell, hell, that's a hell of a defense, but boy, that could be a difference maker right there. If, if Walsh gets back to another Super Bowl in Montana. So, I mean, it's, he also stopped some things from happening too. Yeah. Like some, you know, a, dyna, a potential dynasty. We can directly, people say, was it McMahon's injuries? Dick could have done this. All valid. Number one reason was they faced Joe Gibbs. They were running in in, yeah, they were running into that Washington team. And it, that's, again, we just kind of outlined why that was not a good thing, you know, for any any team in this conference. We're not even talking about the AFC. It didn't, AFC didn't even matter at this point, but. This all-time great conference in this era, this guy was right at the top of it, which is something to say, but why isn't too many people saying it? That's why we wanted to talk about him today. But honestly, I I look at it, Gibbs and Walsh are the guys who stick out to me for their innovation and especially, you know, all-time. And I think for what I look at as a coach, and everyone has, like, to me, it's very different. It's it's a lot of things. It's not just... Who won more? Because then you'd be like, all right, well, Belichick won six. Yeah. Like, you know, give it to him. But it's a lot more than that. It is about, you know, players win these games. Like, that's number one. But to me, it's where coaching comes in, you're getting the most out. So if you have good players, you're getting them to get to that very good to great. If you have great, you're getting to the all. Like, you elevate them to get the most of their potential and then even a little bit more. And also you adjust to it. You you can win with different talent. You can adjust to like different styles. Hey, I have a team right now that's built for the passing game. They're the, our receivers are our strong suit. We're going to go there. Hey, we're built for the run. We're going to go there. Bill Belichick offensively, you can say did that, but the concept was Tom Brady. So it's like, right. uh, yeah, that's yeah. tough, you know. And And so to me, it's like everything that you look for, it's hard to find someone, I think, anyone's list of what makes a great coach and we'll keep it just to football, but who checks every box? I, I think the two who the two in the Super Bowl era, I'll keep it Super Bowl because Paul Brown to me is is the GOAT. Like he just all the inventions, he almost like Yeah. Everything in modern football, Paul Paul Brown won, but then just like he invented you know, so it's like <laughs> It's yeah. kind of hard to top Paul Brown for me. That's why I don't do that because I'm like, you can't not put Paul Brown number one for me. But uh, in Super Bowl era, the two people who did that the most were Walsh and Gibbs. Yeah, so it's, it, it's it's tough. It's impressive stuff. His resume speaks for itself. You know, he coached, what, 14 seasons. You know, his he averaged 11 wins. You know, in that like that's – 11 win season is a good season. You know what I mean? In the really NFL. Good. You know, and you think about, you know, some of the greatest teams of all times were a coach under Joe, like 83 team. Their turnover difference was like plus 42. Like, it's fucking insane. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I think they had like 61 takeaways that year, that defense. It, it was insane, like what that team did. And I, I keep referencing that team because, you know, it was such a great team. And if he wins that Super Bowl, this conversation is different. I agree with that. I agree. Like, it definitely changes. I think it shouldn't because and it's interesting, like, because you're the first person I met who talked about the 91 Washington team a lot. Like, you're the first one, like, I was like, okay. Like, I knew, and I'm like, man, 
I'm like, this team did a lot here. No one talks about this team. You're the first person who was like 91, but you're going to 83. It was just so true. Like if they win that Super Bowl, and and honestly, who knows? They they got slack in that game. I think that hurts them too. Like, yeah, it's they, not that. It's a stain for sure. Right. It's not like it was a close game, but I still just it baffles me because he does have an all time great team under his resume. Not just like a oh, best team never to win it. 91 is an all-time great team. That should, to me, kind of like, if you want, cancel. For those who are nitpicky, that should cancel that 83 argument, and it doesn't. Now, it's it's insane. And if you look at other coaches who have that one dominant season and win the Super Bowl, like, you know, we don't forget about that. We don't forget about that run. And it's 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 criminal, like – how we and I'll include myself, right? Like how we do not talk about Coach Gibbs and you know his his era and and the dominance that he displayed with his teams in such a different way. It's just it's incredible. And the more I like dove in a little bit, it, it was just like my God, like what have I been doing? You know what I mean? Like, and I knew how great Joe Gibbs was. I mean, we've been talking about doing a show on him for a while at this point, and you know, it's just. It's a shame, you know what I mean? And I do think a big part of it is just what has happened to this organization. It's like nobody really talks about this organization. And he's the organization, right? He's been mm-hmm. the organization since 07, 08, and it's a shame, man. But that's why we do this show, Jeremy. We've been talking about it since before even starting this show. It's like there's teams, there's coaches, front office personnel, players who – have been forgotten about and we wanted to make a point and, and make sure that we bring that back to light and let people know who maybe didn't experience that, how great of a player, coach, whoever team, whoever it is. And and this show, this episode for sure, we wanted to highlight how how incredible of a coach Joe Gibbs was. You know, it's important because we've had a conversation. We had a conversation with people, friends of the show, like Jack Silverstein even recently and just all throughout our lives that sports isn't, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be all that's in your life, but it's crazy. If you love it, how it, even without thinking about it, how much, or you played it, it affects your everyday life. And I think there's those things where it, like you said, to just to piggyback it, it's why it's important to have these conversations. It's why I think the subject of, History in general is important because in a lot of areas in life, not just sports, we could use Joe Gibbs leadership style, his leadership qualities and like that people don't talk about people aren't with. And I think that people lack, you know, where, hey, letting people be themselves and be, you know, show be individuals, but still within the realm of the team. A lot of times that it's either, hey, you see one or the other. I let them go and it's like, hey, let them go too far. Like, hey, we still have a common goal. Or you want to like just squash it and not let them be individuals and let them be themselves and get their like their own way, like not just your way. A lot of times we miss that. And I feel a lot of times we promote, you know, history rights like the, those self-promoters. And not that on this show or in me personally, I want to slam the self-promoters. I like saying that, hey, for those self-promoters, either A, look at the help they got. Hey, it wasn't just them who did it. And B, man, look at it like for everybody and everything. It was this close to going another way. 
Yeah. It was this close. It could have, hey, they're, they're praised now, but, man, this loss here, if they would have done this didn't happen, it goes another way. So to not to to keep it real when it comes to those who we put on a pedestal and self-promote and those who we don't give enough credit to, I think is why this show and these conversations are so important because they affect how we look at things and how we learn. I can learn from Joe Gibbs. You have leadership. Not It's not an accident that he won in Washington. And then you go to a whole new sport and you're a hall of famer there. There's something that you're doing right. Yeah. I- Absolutely. And again, <clears throat> this is one of our couple episodes that we're definitely going to try to highlight that and and bring to light some some coaches who we feel who are very important to the, the history of the NFL, but more importantly, like who are criminally underrated. And we definitely want to want to try to stop that from our point of view. So this this was great there. I mean, I, I was excited for this show and I, I'm glad we did it, man. Absolutely. Man, and uh, please let us know what you guys, you know, at Bigger Game Pod on Twitter, at Bigger Game Pod on Instagram. Uh, follow us, you know, on YouTube, Bigger Than the Game with Jeremy and Jose. We want to hear what you think. Do you think Joe Gibbs is criminally underrated? Do you think he is a, a GOAT candidate? Yes or no? We want to have the, the conversation and engage with our audience. Um, you know, so Jose was right. This is a lot of fun. And for, like I said, the hardest working man in show business, he's still keeping out hope for Thurman in his helmet, Mr. Jose Ruiz. I'm Jeremy Dove. Thank you guys for listening to Bigger Than the Game with Jeremy and Jose. Peace.